Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi everybody, before we get into the podcast there, just to let you know, we are back in Cork's Opera House on August the 22nd to open the Cork Podcast Festival. Which is an absolute honour, and myself and James are thrilled to be a part of such a great night, particularly when you have so many fantastic podcasts coming from Cork on the night and the week as well. Yeah, no, listen, it's great to be part of the podcast scene. And we have a great guest on the night too, a friend of ours, Brezzy, a mental health advocate who's got a great story. Among other things, he's uh, played Munster or uh, rugby with Leinster and he had a panic attack live on TV and he does his own show now around his own journey. So uh, it's going to be powerful. Yeah, he's just going to talk about his story growing up and when it all started for him in relation to his mental health and how he came through it and what he does today around it. No, he does a lot of work within schools today and helps children to be able to cope much, much better with their own mental health and he creates programs and stuff like that and he does a lot of funding. So it should be a fantastic night. Yeah, we'll have a bit of entertainment, a bit of music and a bit of a crack as well. So I hope to see you there August the 22nd. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.ie or Cock Opera House box office. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. I'm your host James and I'm joined as always by my good friend Timmy Long. Hi everyone. And our guest today is Limerick professional boxer Graham McCormick. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? It's great to have you here. It's roasting, isn't it? Thanks for having me on and it is roasting, yeah. It's very, very warm. <laughs> Lose a few pounds in now, which is great. I know, yeah. bonus. What weight do you fight at? I fight at middleweight. How many middleweight. kilos is that? 72.5. So what do you walk around that when you're not in camp? <laughs> I, I'm terrible, man. <laughs> I'll be honest, I walk around about 85, 86 kilos on that yeah. camp. I, I get so heavy out of voice. People are like, oh, why don't you keep it down? I'm like, because I can't fucking keep it down. Like, I don't even have to eat food, man. If I just look at a burger, like, I'm two kilos heavier, man. I'm but like, you're going to show me turkeys, that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, man. I'm yeah, telling you, I feel like I don't know what it was a couple of years ago. But look, it's. In a way, I kind of enjoy the struggle of, of, of getting the kilos down. People are like, oh, you can make it a lot easier for yourself. But it. it I have to train that that bit harder, you yeah. know what I mean? And it just keeps me in the gym. I have to train two or three times a day. I yeah. enjoy it, man, you know what I mean? I enjoy the bit of struggle of getting the weight down. So, like, I think if I walked around that the weight, I wouldn't yeah. enjoy the camps as much as I yeah. enjoy it, you know what I mean? sides to a fight. Yeah. One side is getting into the ring and fighting your opponent. Yeah. But the other side is making weight yeah. and training for it. Like, that's yeah. a battle in itself. Yeah, and yeah. And it's a longer battle. You yeah. And here for whatever, five or eight, ten, twelve rounds. Yeah. Like it's the, the 12, 13 weeks beforehand. The camps, man. Camps. Yeah. The camps. And that's what people don't realise as well as like that. Everyone says, oh, he took some big shots in the fight. Nothing about the big shots you take two, two sparring sessions every week for 10 weeks straight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where, that's where the hard work is done. Like three times in the gym a day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. then you're sparring on a Monday, sparring on a Friday. That's where the hard, where the damage is done. Like. You know the sparrows then, would you be fighting fellas that are heavier than you? Or 
Or what, what way does it work? Do you bring fellas in a bigger than you? It depends kind of on the fight, you know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're fighting, like let's say like a domestic fight or, or a good opponent, like you, you'll get someone similar to the opponent you're fighting, you know what I mean? So like if you're fighting a southpaw, you'll get a southpaw. If you're fighting a, a, an aggressive fighter, you'll get an aggressive fighter to spare. But like it's hard to get a, a, a spam partner all the time. So you'll just, sometimes you'll just spare whoever you can get to spare, you know what I mean? Because it's hard sometimes to get spam partners. But like, we're lucky in Limerick, you know, I'll give all the boys a show that the Limerick boxers, like, we all work together and we all spare with each other. So like, we don't have to travel anywhere to, to, to go in there with Paddy Donovan, with Edward Donovan, with Lee Reyes, Jamie Morrissey, you know, we've, we've Jason Harty, we've everyone down. It's great, like, because we have so much spam partners down there, you know. There's a great history of boxing coming out of Limerick, and now yeah. big names come out of Limerick. Yeah, Andy Lee, man, you know what I mean? World champion. Yeah, unbelievable, you know what I mean? So, like, Limerick, and Limerick, it seems now again Limerick is buzzing with boxing again, which we've kind of missed it. We missed it for a few years, you know what I mean? So now there's so many of us now, it's it's buzzing down there, you know what I mean? So we don't have to travel too far for the spars, which is great, like. Yeah, it's great in Cork as well, because obviously we spike, and Spike's at the fight, and all, he, all his defeats are by world champions. Yeah. Mangia, uh, Joe. Eubank yeah. Lara, Lara. Oh, big, big fights he's had yeah. I know we've Tommy Hyde up and coming yeah Tommy's a great kid I like Tommy fighting Saturday, Saturday night I like Tommy Hyde and he's you know like I just said there, he's the kind of kid you want to see do well yeah. you know what I mean because he's a real humble kid he's good head in his shoulders Cork, Cork is like Limerick man it's, a, it's another great city with just a like few pros on and know as well you have that guy Freddie Roach is training him Callum Walsh yeah. see him yeah, yeah. he's a brilliant boxer like he just won a WBC international title over there in America, like Freddie Ross training. So, Cork is, Cork is passing out some serious boxers as well. Like, yeah. so it's great to see for, for, for months, man, realistically, like the Aldebar yeah. boxers. But we're a great little island for boxing, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. For, yeah. for the population. Violent, aggressive, violent. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're good people to back up our own as well. Yeah. The whole country gets behind Katie Taylor. Mm. As you're going, and anytime we've somebody fighting internationally, the whole country is behind them. Yeah. Everybody's behind them. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great to see as well. Like, you, Katie Taylor. Conor McGregor, you know, any, you know, it's it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, we support our own, and that's what you want to see, man. You know what I mean? That's we are a small island, but we're a good island, and we do get behind our own. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're in recovery, like ourselves, you know. Yeah. So before, like, take us right back. Where you're from? What was it like growing up for you? I'm from Limerick, from Limerick, the Island Field. Um, I moved on to when I was young. Then I stayed at my nana's in Plaster. We're from, I'm from definitely a rougher area in Limerick. Moved away out of it as I was older. Not a usual story, man. Started drinking and drugging young. I was lucky enough as a teenager, I got into boxing. I started boxing as about 14, 15. So I didn't, my addiction didn't completely take over my life until I got a bit older. Were you in school? No, I left school. Dropped out of school first year. I went back through my LCA and then I just completely left it then, you know what I mean? I just never, school was never the outreach or anything like I went into the outreach, man, and then... I went to the outreach in town, in Limerick town. I ended up getting thrown out of that. And I went to one out of the country, which was great. But the principal then died and, and he was real good to all of us out there. So when he died, we all kind of just left it, you know what I mean? And so I suppose boxing, boxing kept me kind of on a straight and narrow as a younger teenager. Turned 18 then, man, and I, I had a bit of a claim and money came in. I suppose I always had the addict tendencies, man, you know what I mean? Mm. The drinking and the drugging as a young fella. But with the boxing, I kind of saved a couple of years, you know? Yeah. As soon as I got the money in my hand, man, boxing got the back burner. I started drinking and drugging again. And I always hung around with a bad crowd, you know what I mean? I always, like, I come from a good family, like, mm. but I always found the bad road, no matter where I went. You could have left me in the middle of a field and I would have found the bad road out of there, you know what I mean? So, where you're from, there's a lot of drinking and drugging yeah, in the area, isn't Yeah, where I'm from, like, anywhere you go to Limerick, man, nowadays, like, especially when I was growing up, it was, that's where it was, man. That's just Limerick, you know what I mean? Um, it's drugs and alcohol from a young age, man. You know, and it's worse now than it ever was. Yeah, it's worse now than it ever was, and that's the truth. It's worse now than it ever was. But how, how has things changed in Limerick in terms I, of the drug scene? I think it's gotten a lot worse. It's gotten a lot more aggressive on the drug scene in Limerick now. Like, do you think that's because of the crack cocaine? 
Uh, definitely a big part of it, yeah. It's definitely a big part of it. It's the same in Cork and Dublin. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely a big part of it, but it's also like I think it's more nobody better than Ireland anymore. Mm. When kids are, when young fellas are drinking or, or vaping, wanting on the road, it's, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. but it's like back when I was 13, it's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't go drinking, your father kill you, or your mother kill you. Whereas now it's like, ah, yeah, no one cares, no one cares. You know what I mean? You know, I see the kids now, like, and it's just not as, you know, there's not, there's not that much fear in it anymore. For, yeah, yeah, it's more accepted for the, for the younger people to do it now it is than it was back, back sad, then. It's very sad. Oh, man. Oh, like. Very sad, man. You know what I mean? It's very sad. And I think the world is, is a scary place now, man. You know what I mean? And it's getting a lot worse. So, like, for, for my kids, our kids, younger kids now, I think it's going to be a lot harder than what it was for me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The social media and like none of that was wrong when I was younger. Thank God. I know. Thank God. That was me that. when I was younger, See, man. When you come into recovery, then you've, uh, you can move on with your life. Yeah. Whereas young fellas and girls that are caught up in it now, when they get older, they could be very damaging stuff or humiliating stuff mm. that could recirculate when they're in their 30s. That's what I'm saying. Like this social media, it's, it's, it's so hard. I'm glad it wasn't home when I was a kid like because obviously like the drinking and the drug and you don't know what you're doing like. yeah. you don't know what you're doing you, you don't know who's taking a, uh, a, video. a video of you you don't know nothing what you're doing especially if you're over your head and there's times there I, I walk and walk up the next morning and I wouldn't even know where I am ah. and you you wouldn't even know what you would have to been doing the night before so imagine then so video on it. Mm. and social media which in it and mm. whatever it may be and like that can be very traumatic for a person, a particularly can, a young person yeah. who's not able to understand it or process it. Well, they, they, they're definitely not able to understand it at that age, man. I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, do you know what I mean? No way, like, you know, would I have been able to understand it at that age. But like, as when I was younger, like, if that was going on when I was younger, like, I, I, I would have, don't know what I've ever started boxing because mm. that stuff would have took over my life and the social media and thinking I was trying to live the life that you see on social media. Do you know what I mean? That's, that, that, I see these kids, I have older kids from my next relationship and like I have a daughter there, she's 13, she's a great kid like but something very similar happened. She went out drinking her friends videoed things, you know what I mean? And like, could have been a lot worse than what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could have been a lot worse than what it was. Luckily it wasn't, but it could have been, you know what I mean? So like, it just, it, that really opened my eyes to see like how bad it is now. You know, there's no law if you take any form of video or anything against somebody will or, or against yeah. them saying it's okay. It's against the law. Yeah. For it's against the law to even have it in your phone. So, do you know, if, if I took a video of, of a girl yeah, and I, without her consent and I sent it to you and you have it in your WhatsApp, if that's found in your phone, you're late, yeah. it But when it, when, it, when it happened at the time, I I just got involved straight away and got it all sorted straight away and everything done. But like, yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is like, it could have been so much worse. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying like, for these young kids now, like it's a lot harder than what it was for any of us. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I was young, when drinking and drugging, that was it. When drinking and drugging, mm. maybe, maybe, maybe you laughed. Yeah, maybe you laughed the next day. But oh, look what you done last night! But no one recorded it me in, doing it. It was in memory. Yeah, like and you had a bit of crap. Whereas no, they have it on their phones, yeah, and it's yeah. there the next day. And you're looking yeah. at it, and you're like, shit. Do you think? Do you think there's not enough of education around that? That's the social media. Yeah. No, not not at all. I think and, and I think it's poisonous, man. Yeah. I think it's very dangerous. I I genuinely think that these kids today have it a lot harder than, than I or we had it, 100%. No matter what, like I see it, like with, with my own kids, like it's it's crazy, like, you know, and like they don't know what they're doing. I don't even know what I'm doing with the social media, never, so how, know, how can they have had what's going on with it, like, you know, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that it wasn't home when I was, when I was, when I was that age because so when you were 18, 19 were you, were you drinking, smoking hash how did things progress for you? I never smoked weed or hash and like that because of boxing. I never smoked, I never, I never got into it, but I suppose I started drinking, selling drugs and, and going on that life, you know what I mean? And and 
following the, the, the guys that I thought were living the life, you know what I mean? Oh, well, obviously. Yeah, you know, 100%. Like, like myself and James, we yeah. looked up to the guys that were ahead of us as well because yeah. of what they were wearing, because of the cars, the watches, respect the jewelry, as well. the drummers they had. Fair. The respect, yeah, yeah you, you know, all that stuff. Like that, yeah. like the guy that you look up is not your typical Gerard. Mm. Or somebody that's in a civil service job or a dentist or anything like that. It's somebody that. Role models are limited, like. Respect because they're mm. a hard man. Yeah. Or they're after being in prison. Yeah. They're your yeah. role models. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, we all looked up to the wrong guys, like, you know what I mean? So, like that, I, I went down that road. Like, I mean, we moved out of, we moved to a place called Raheen in Limerick, which is a, which is a nice enough place, but it was, it was mad when I lived there. Like, everyone just wanted to get drunk and stoned and, you know, as any teenagers would. Like, yeah. like I said, again, I was looking at the boxing, but the boxing didn't last forever. I turned 18 and drinking and drugging, came back and boxing guys put on the backbone and I got a car, you know, the usual malarkey, you know, and thought I was the man, you know, drinking started to get more aggressive. Then I moved to Australia when I was 20. My uncle was living over there and I, just, I was laughing. I was saying to, to Brian from up the road, I thought my problem was Limerick. Like, <laughs> I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to move to Australia with my uncle and that's it. My mother was like, you're going to have to sort this out. Like, I was like, yeah, I have a plan. Go on to my uncle. I'll be sorted. Sure. So my <laughs> alcoholism took over my life over in Australia because all I did was drink. Mm. I I went from normal drinker to a raw alcoholic in, in the space of a couple of weeks. That's you know what I mean? The geographic. It's when it's when somebody thinks that the issue is their area or the environment mm. that they're in. And if they move to England or Spain or wherever it may be, it'll be different. Yeah. It's not. The head, have problems, the head is still there. The compulsion to drink in the body is still there. Mm. You know, it's it's never leaves. The same. The yeah. only thing is, you're taking yourself out of this environment, putting yourself in there. There's still going to be pubs there and half licenses and yeah. drug dealers. Yeah, you and know? they're still going to have the same head. Exactly, uh, and that that's and that's what I understand. Like people, that's yeah, we're going to exactly. There's going to be have different accents. You know what I mean? That's what I done. I was like, hey, they were the same guys. They just sounded different. You know what I mean? That was the only difference. Were you walking over there? Yeah, I walked to my uncle over. My uncle is a sales rep over at the time. He saw we saw Kirby's man, three and a half thousand dollar vacuum cleaners, but we were really good at it. Like me and my uncle. My uncle was my uncle was top dog over. Like you know what I mean? So I was like, I'm starting here and I live with my uncle. I was making good money. Which I mean, the money wasn't lasting. I was drinking it all or doing whatever I could do with it. You know what I mean? I was doing anything take a drug, you know, everything I could do I was doing over there, man, because I had no I had no consequence over her because I was my uncle was like, yeah, you're grinding, whatever, because my uncle yeah. was a drinker as well, like, you know, so it wasn't like I was going home to get sober, so I just, my grip, my alcoholism came more aggressive in Australia, so then I got burnt out from it, man. Were you playing over there? Nah. Nah, nah, I got fat as a fool over there, man. I was just, I completely stopped boxing, completely stopped everything. All I did was walked and drank. That was it. I yeah. nothing else. I walked from Monday to Friday and I drank from Friday to Monday. That was it, you know. So I was like, all right, I've had enough of this now. So I came home. What age when you come home? I came home 21, 21. And that was when my life really started to go out of control. Mm. I met a girl when I was 21. I had my first child. And since then, that year, man, my life became... It just went downhill, man. I started selling drugs in a big way. Got involved with the same people I was involved with. A lot more involved, you know. I went into jail when I was 22. I got 10 months for drinking, crashed the car, got out, got out of the car. Like, I crashed into a man and I give your man a few digs, like. Because I, uh, I was like, oh, he must be in the wrong, like. I was completely in the wrong, like. Lang, I was drunk driving my car and drove into the side of his car and got out and blamed him for it, like. Uh, so I got 10 months for that. And like... I was thinking, right, I'm after getting rid of jail now, this will calm me down. But sure, that made me worse, man. Mm. So I came out then, I thought I was a better criminal than I was going in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Went, comp went straight back to the old life, but worse. Every time I thought I was going to start it out, I got worse, man. You know what I mean? And then drugs, 
got worse. And I remember someone saying when I was about 23, 24, I'm saying, kid, he said, you want to watch it? He said, it's going to take over your life. Yeah, whatever. I said to him, sure. But, but a couple of years later, man, I was destroyed. I was absolutely destroyed from, from cocaine and, and alcohol. Like, this is going back to a time Limerick was completely on fire as well. Red hat. It was, yeah, it was mad. It was a mad time to be. And like, I was highly involved in stuff. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and hard in my head, man, like, you know, the head of an addict, like, I was like, yeah, I'm fucking think I'm Tony Montana around this. Yeah. So I was just an idiot joking around thinking I was somebody, like, I was a nobody, like. Were you, were you, were you in danger, but you didn't even realize it? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. One hundred percent I was in danger. And, and at any given day, like, yeah. at any given day, you know what I mean? Like, but you don't realize that. You know what I mean? You don't think it. And I put, and not only was I in danger, I put everyone around me in danger. The girl I was with at the time, I, I ended up having three kids with her. I love my kids, but like at the time, I didn't know how to love them. I couldn't love anybody. I couldn't love myself. I didn't care about myself. All I cared about was drinking and drugging. Yeah. And the more I, I the, the older I got, I, I ended up, I ended up going back into jail. I got fifteen months. I think it was I got threatened the guard. Told the guard to give him a few digs. Something. I got fifteen months for that. When I got out of jail there, I was 25. Those were the worst three years from 25 to 28 till I got clean and sober. They were the worst three years of my life. I was absolutely destroyed. I'd done things that I wouldn't even talk about, that I haven't even talked about people. Do you know what I mean? Crazy stuff. Like, But when I look back now, I'm like, how the fuck did I manage to do to, to live those, through, those, through those three years? You know what I mean? The only good thing that came out of those three years was my now wife, who were mar were married to now. I met her in those in that time. And, and she was my saviour, realistically. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time, but now I know it. You know what I mean? Now we're married, we have our own house, we have three beautiful kids, we have a great life. But like, how she survived those three years with me, man, is, I don't know how, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm grateful for that now, when I, like, I can sit down home, we can talk about it and, you know, sometimes I get emotional, like, that, that she stayed around, you know what I mean? Now I lost her at the end of it, at the end of my using drink and ended up homeless, I lost everything. Do you know, if you were to look back in your life back then, mm. you know, today, Back then, you didn't really understand the consequences of your actions and what could have easily happened. And I'm sure there was numerous occasions that your life could have been ended. Yeah. Through crashing, fighting, all these different yeah. things. But when you look back now, right, and you look back and you say, there could be any any number of, of times you could have, your life could have been ended. There, do, you, do you feel an understanding that there's a purpose here on this earth for your life? A hundred percent. You should have died. A hundred percent. I, 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 I say, I, why sometimes I speak when my wife are talking and if one of the lads are there and we're, we're having a laugh and a joke and you know, one of the boys saying like, oh, you were mad or whatever, blah, blah. But me and myself, I'm like, like, there's a reason I'm still here. Like, I should be dead. Like, yeah. I mean, one thing we were out, like, we were out messing around me and two of the boys were drinking and the boys were out in the Alex and I fell like eight stories. Like, like well, no, about, about two hours off, off a girl from thinking the boys thought I was dead. Like, I was out cold. Couldn't walk, couldn't nothing. The boys would bring me to the hospital. Like, how I survived that is beyond me. Like, mm -hmm. two, two big massive drops. Just like fucking so that's when I look back at those things now I'm like someone up there wanted me alive, you know what I mean? I I didn't know what God was or anything like that. And I don't go around shouting from the rooftop, God, this, God, that, but I'm a massive believer in God today. Yeah. I have the life I have today because of God. And no other reason. You know what I mean? I have my recovery because of God. He brought me to my first meeting, you know what I mean? Got me clean and sober and gave me the life I have today. And you know, I listened to a lot of motivation speaking and Denzel Washington said it one time, I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. And that's the, I love that man, because I didn't always stick with God. I didn't always, in fact, I hated him at times. I hated him at times, but he always stuck with me. And I'm here today, 36 years of age. I live an unbelievable life today, but without God, I wouldn't have what I have today. And that's one thing I know for sure. It's, do you know what it's like? Do you ever see that, that picture with the, foot, the footsteps in the sand? Yeah where you can see your own footsteps, but there's another set of footsteps next to you. And it's yeah. Kind of like, 
whose footsteps are there. Yeah. It's like, it's like looking back in your life knowing that you always asked for the help and you thought you weren't getting the help. But if you look back now in your life, no, today the help came. 100%, percent yeah. Slowly when you were ready. Because if you got it back then, it wouldn't have made Would have thrown it away, yeah. Would have there was always someone there helping you along. Yeah. Your prayers were never unanswered. Yeah. Your prayers were always answered because you're still alive today. Exactly. It's just yeah. the human beings wanted no. Yeah, we wanted yesterday. We all wanted yesterday. You know, and I, I, I can still, that part of the attic in me can still get like that. Every time I start the camp and I stand on a weighing scales and I'm 86, 87 kilos, right, I, I want to be 75 kilos tomorrow. Back on the so court. I want to go around on track. It's not, it doesn't happen like that, Graham. Uh, like, you know what I mean? You know that it's, it's not how it works, like, you know. Yeah. But that that part of me, you know, that's that, like you just said there, man, you know what I mean? It's nailed to the head. Like, we want it yesterday, you know what I mean? Not realizing that it's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You know what I mean? It's always coming. You made a good point there. You said uh, between the ages of 25 and 28, there was a lot of shit happened that you won't get into. And that was important because a lot of people, uh, like, you don't have to bear your whole soul on the telly or on the podcast mm. or go into war stories to illustrate your stories. You know what I mean? You have mm. to protect yourself too. Of course, Like, yeah. me and Timmy, we'll share stuff here and leave ourselves vulnerable. But there's a lot we won't share. Of course, be yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, uh, like, we, we we understand your story, you know, because you have to tell us. Yeah. But, like, I'm just saying this because a lot of people contact us. They want to do this. They want to come on the podcast and stuff like that. But like, it's not about sharing the details and all the little details and the war stories and stuff like that. Because there's no purpose to that. No. Do you know? No. It's like, it got bad. Yeah. And it got bad enough that it, there was a turning point. But what was your turning point? How did it come to a head for you? My turning point, I'll never forget it, was the last day I, dro- the last day I drank. I tried, I, I, I tried, you could say I tried to kill myself, but was it a cry for help? I think so more than anything. So I went down to the bridge. I went to jump off. A fella was there saw me going down over the rail and came over I knew him so we were talking he rang the guards they came and pulled me off but like I think it was more of a cry for help than anything but I had lost everything so like I was homeless I was sleeping on the streets my mother and father or my mother and my father are two of the best people I've ever met I love my mother and my father we don't like I don't see my mother and father every single day but you know they are yeah. why I'm still here today you know what I mean again but like at the time like that was it they were done and I, I was like she's like I'd never thought my mother would be done like you know what I mean I know I killed my mother to let go, like like I'm sure all of us are the same with our mothers, like, but kill my mother to let go, but same with my wife, no, she was the same, she had to completely let go of me, like, I was on my own, and it was, I don't think, if they didn't do that, if they didn't do what they done back then, I don't know what I've gotten it. You wouldn't have. That's the truth. Do you know why you wouldn't have? No. Because people, when people are catching an addict's hand in life, when they're caught up in addiction, they won't get it. Mm. If I catch your hand bring it down to a treatment centre, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it because I'm catching your hand and I'm telling you, you have to do it. Yeah. You're not going in there and you're not going to get it. Mm. Where it comes, we get this question all the time, James, like, what do we do? He's not, I I try and everything. Family members love their, 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 their. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Family, particularly ones that are caught up in addiction. But what people don't understand, and they're desperate. We often talk about it. People are desperate. They want to know how they can get help for their family members. But when somebody is ready, they will do it on their own. Mm. And they'll get it. Yeah. Because they're doing it. I done it on my own. He rang uh, the treatment centre on his own. I rang the treatment centre on my own. Yeah. You know, I didn't ask for no help. You know, because I was in too much pain and my my finish up was very similar to your own. I was nobody wanted I felt no one wanted me anymore. Yeah. And you know, even your mother and father's thing, there's a stage where Families are so hurt watching a loved one dying slowly. Mm. Killing themselves, yeah, yeah, big time. That's they have to. You have to let it run its course, like mm. you have to let it run. No, I see that. No, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like no, but at the time, you, you know, feel abandoned. Like, like, bastards. Yeah. Look what you done to me, you bastards. But like, yeah. I'm so grateful. No, you know what I mean for that because, like, I, like we just said there, yeah, like if they didn't, I wouldn't have gotten this. Like, yeah. I mean, that was that was the turning point for me. It was like, okay. You just tried to kill us, and then the guys brought me to the barracks. They brought me up to five B. You know that that sort of hospital, and it's like, okay, I, I need to change something. Like something has to change. Like, and that was it. Like, I I went to a meeting. I went to uh, I went to a couple of meetings for weeks. Got into treatment center, and and I haven't looked back since. You know what I mean? Yes, One it, day at a time. It's important that, uh, and I always what you said resonated with myself as well. Blaming your mum and your dad, <clears throat> the teacher, the coach, yeah, yeah. The, 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 do, the doctor, the social welfare, the methadone, the yeah. care, all everyone else but us, but me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Pure victim mentality. Yeah, yeah. But it's not until you actually take ownership. Say, the boy, you're blaming everybody else. They're all getting on with their lives and look at you. Yeah. I say, you take wrong what? Take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. You're not fucking 12 at all. You're 20, yeah. I was 27. I was 28, yeah. Yeah, so that's the time where a bit of maturity as well is coming into pain as well. After having a good few years of it now, yeah. in and out of prison, the drugs, and ends up in homelessness for me too. And I get to a stage where, right, there's no one else to go with this now. Stop blaming people. Yeah. Put, get your shit together. Pick up the fucking phone. Go to a meeting. Humble yourself. And stop yeah. blaming people. Yeah. And when you get that... It changes for you, don't it? Yeah, big time. Again, like when I when I got clean sober, it still took me a while. I was only sending the brain out the road. Like I was two weeks into the treatment centre when it completely changed. I remember going to the treatment centre and, and Where did you go? I went to Bushy Park. Yeah. And I got I got Julian in the council. It was a great guy, but I remember saying to me, like, I'll get you, you know. I'll you you would say I was like, Yeah, whatever, man. Whatever, but you know. Like in my head I was like, Right, I'm gonna get clean sober, I'm gonna get everything back and everything started. And like I never cried in my life, right? Never. It just wasn't. It wasn't a thing for me to do. You know what I mean? Last baby, when I was young, I went through loads of stuff. Never cried. I was two weeks in the treatment centre. Remember Julian said when I went in, you'll get a spiritual awakening. And I remember sitting on the cafeteria, and I was just after having a family day the day before. So you know, a family day, you know, the family comes on, and you know, and you hear that shit back, real, you know what you what you were like, you know. 
And I'm next day, I was sitting down and eating in grub, and I just, I could feel the tears coming on my eyes. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So I got up after the table and went to the room, and Mags was there. I was like, oh, I have to go, I have to go. I to go. <laughs> that was it, completely changed me. And then yeah. that's when I knew this this whole time, these 28 years of my life, it has been me. I've been the problem. Like, not my mother, not my father, not the teacher, yeah. not not my missus, not this, not that person. It's been me. Every, every time everything's went wrong has been by my decisions. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I know, see, in my life that I'm a product of my decisions. Everything that happens to me is because of what I've decided to do. But you know, your decisions, that um, our decisions are based on how we're made, how the, the, the environment we grew up in, you know, the, mm. the culture, you know, um, some of the influences of the people around us, the people that bring us up. Don't do that, don't do this. Yeah. You know, so this is where my head is, right? If we're an envir- if we're a product of our environments and we act upon what we believe is right and wrong and we make decisions based on what we believe is right and wrong, there's actually no one to blame. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. So what what it's it's when we know better and we get an education around right and wrong and we start connection connecting with our internally with love mm. and care and kindness and all these different things and we start feeling the ghost for the first time and start reacting to the ghost. Now you know. Now you can make a decision because if you make a bad decision, you're going yeah, to yeah, yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. But when you're making decisions based on the way you were brought up and, and moulded yeah. into the way. But you know that, you know that right and wrong thing, that gets all fucked up with drinking drugs stuff. Yeah. And yeah. then you, that's, that's like when you do things under the influence and when you're young and you're, you know, you're going in and out of prison, you're taking drugs, you think you're a hard man, you think it don't affect oh, you. Ah, yeah. But you know, when you get mature and you're away from the drink and you're thinking back and the regret and the shame yeah. and the guilt, yeah. that that helped me to understand. I knew I wasn't bad. I did bad things that brought me a lot of regret. Because I feel ashamed for it, it tells me that there's some good in me. Yeah. You know, and when you're away from the drinking drugs, then you can kind of make an amends, like, and, and, and kind of, I suppose, not go around and apologise to everybody who ever hurt but help people that yeah. are struggling and make sure that you contribute to society in a positive way going forward. Mm. That's all you can do in the end of the day. That's, that's cool what's saying there to me. Like, it's like how, like, in an environment brought up, we've all been brought up in, in the environment of an Irish home. Yeah. And like, you know, like we all have our parents had, but it's, yeah. like you just said there, like it's, it's it was hard like, for all of us. You know what I mean? It was hard, it was hard for me growing up. You and know what I mean? They do the best for you. A hundred percent. They all did, they all do our best for But like, I think we hard. hard on ourselves. Yeah. You know, I think people in recovery, and I was hard on myself for a long, long time, you know, but now I understand a lot of my decisions were based on what I knew, how, how I was moulded and how my beliefs were and how I was taught growing up. And also because of the different things that happened to me, I believe that I built up this mechanism, this protection within me to be able to protect me from people and, and my environment that... All my decisions were based on that as well. Mm. My ego was based on all this emotional stuff to be able to protect me emotionally, protect me physically and all these different things. So all my decisions were based around that. Not letting anyone in, you're like, not letting anyone in, you're like, yeah. It was, ne- it, was never, it was never that it was any fault to this person, this, this newborn, this perfect baby, which is what we all are behind mm. all the conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so when I look at it, I, I look at us like that... If we make bad choices, they're made with no awareness. They're made through conditioning our ego or whatever. But the true person behind it all, without any connection to the ego or anything like that, you know, I think that person, like, 
Yeah. There's no fault. There's no blame. I, I, like we 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 do kind of beat ourselves up over different stuff that we've done, you know, and and rightly so. A lot of the shit that we do in election is is wrong. Yeah. And I'd be yeah. the first one to put my hand. When on you it. look back now, it's like fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what was it like when you came home from from treatment? treatment. When I came home from treatment, I remember my counselor saying to me when I went in, and and I was glad he said it to me. He was like, "No, I happened to you now, kid." I said what? He said, "Your life is on pause." Nothing changes out there, he said. Yeah. Only you. Your life's on pause, but everything else is still the same out there. And I, and I was like, all right. But then when I got out, I understood what he meant. Nothing changed. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, this was me. This was a me job. You know what I mean? This was a job on me, for me, by me. So I, I, had, to, I, had, to, I had to do a lot of things. I had to, like my friends who are, who are still my great friends, they're still great friends of mine, but I had to stay away from them. I mean, the people, places and things was the most important thing for me. You know what I mean? That was the most important thing for me. Even even my wife now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we, we laugh and joke about no lip. When I got out first, like, I got to stay away from you now for two weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I look back now and laugh and she's like, you're big easy. You know, I got, you know, I got to work on myself. She was like, all right, you know, whatever. Like, you know, like, obviously, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, 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 you know, we still got to get on that. Like, relationships but, can be triggered. And yeah, I just wanted to give myself a couple of weeks, you know what I mean? But like, you know, it didn't last long, though, like, you know what I mean? But like, in my head, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I got to stay away from you for a while. <laughs> that was actually good. Yeah, I need I needed just a couple that, of weeks, man. That was that shows a lot of strength. Um, sure, how much you really want. Well, she, 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 like my wife is my best friend. You know what I mean, there's no like Lauren. Like she, she's my best friend. Like I, I don't know. Like I got clean and sober for myself. I know that. I know I did. But would I have done it without? Would I have? Would I have gotten through my life that I've gotten through in these last seven years without my wife? No, I don't think so. She's. Yeah. She's my rock solid warrior beside me. You know what I mean? Everything, even with the boxing career, man, boxing has been so hard. It's a hard job. It's a hard life. You, you, you know yourself. You, you were just talking about boxing and it's a hard life. Like my wife is, has really been my rock. You know what I mean? So like, I'm grateful that we, that when I got out of treatment first, I gave those couple of weeks that I knew like, okay, this is what I need. This is what I need. Because I remember my counselor saying to me, when you get out, yeah. you know, you got to do a couple of things on your own and, you know, you got to do the people, places and things. That was very important as well was the people, places and things. My mates were all still highly involved in selling drugs yeah, and doing, yeah, the, yeah. doing the usual malarkey and drinking and drugging and stuff like that. So I had to, I had to be careful of myself and, and stay away from, from the lads, you know what I mean? And Sometimes that, that can be family too. Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be family, man. You know what I mean? And some of my, like, I suppose your friends become your family over the years, you know what I mean? And, and they, they, you know, you'd be very close. So that was, that was very hard. Did they respect your decision? They did. They did. They did respect. I had one friend, I had one friend, man, he's dead and we got murdered. Uh, okay. he was a great, he was a great friend of mine, one of my best mates, but I never, like, I laugh now. And if it's mother and father, they'll say no, they'll know because I've talked about them, I laugh and at it. But I remember I was about, I was about a week out of, <laughs> I was about a week out of treatment. And I remember he rang me, he was like, come on. I said, what? Come on now, you're fine, you're off in five or six weeks. Come on, we're going to that party. I've, I've, I've stuff here. We're going, man, I'm not drinking anymore. Like, I'm done. He was like, stop now with that bollocks. We're going drinking now. Stop adding the bollocks. We're going. I was like, man, dry balls. get off my phone, man. I can't, you know. So when I look back now and I think, like, I only, I laugh what it was father all the time and say, you know, like, that he didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't. I actually brought him to a couple of meetings over the years, you know what I mean, before he passed away. Like, so he didn't understand. So I, what I, what you said there, like, I, I didn't expect him to understand because yeah. I was thinking, okay, no one needs to, no one's going to understand what I have to do here. Only me. And that's what helped me get it, man. Yeah. Was that it was just, it was a meeting. It was no one else's problem. It was no one else's fault. It was something I had to do. So I whacked the meetings out of it. When I got out of treatment, one, one thing I did is when I met Brian, was was whack the meetings out of us. I I needed I needed two meetings a day early on. You know what I mean? I really did. I needed to go to two meetings a day and and build a good foundation for my recovery. And and I learned a lot on the meetings. And and that's what I done when I got through. Man, I I made sure I got my my recovery came first before everything. And I had to mm. do it that way because 
as much as I love my, my wife and my and my kids and, and my mother and my father and all, I had to put my recovery first. Did you go back into the boxing quickly? I went I went, you know what? I went straight back to my old damn club, Carpet Christy with Decky and Jeff and, and big big thanks to them for that because it really helped me, man, the boxing. You know what I mean? And it really did help me focus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Went back boxing, it helped me focus. Okay, I'm training, training next week, now back on the club. You know, I'm going to go to meetings in the morning. I'm going to go training at night time. You know, at the start, it really helped me, man. Do you know what I mean? And it's a great sport. It's well. unbelievable. It's a good crack. Boxing well. is an unbelievable yeah. sport. Do you know what I mean? It's a hard sport, mm -hmm. but it's an unbelievable sport. And it and it's a great life and, and it's a great community and it's a great whatever club you're in. Like, you know, it's it's a real tight knit. It's a family. You know what I mean? Boxing is a family. Another you know, club club I was in more great. And the club I'm in now with my trainer, who's my trainer now, and one of my best mates, he runs a club in, in Limerick 3D Boxing Club. And, you know, it's a great community. Boxing is just a great community. So I was grateful for the boxing when I got first yeah. out because I... I really did need it, man. You know yeah. what I mean? I really did need it. At what stage was this? Like, you went back to the boxing, you're in early recovery. At what stage did it start looking like you could be a pro? But I, I, I'll be honest, it was, it was whirling. I was, I went back, I won a couple of fights. I won the Munster Elites. I went up to Dublin. I got, I got stopped in Dublin. I got stopped in, in a fight in Dublin. It was a terrible stoppage, but I still got stopped. So I was like, geez, do I want this anymore? Like, I was 29. I'm 29 years old. Do I want to keep boxing? You know what I mean? But like, what I had learned about myself was that, I'm capable of doing anything. I just got clean and sober. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm capable of doing anything now. Like, I, I can push myself. So I started training one of my best friends, Noel Bond, who's still my strength and conditioning coach now, uh, in functional fitness. And we were, we were humming and harm what to do. We were thinking about going semi pro. And it wasn't, I didn't follow up my trainers in my old club. I just wanted to go on my own path. You know what I mean? So I like, so I was 29 and, and one of my friends was good friends with Ricky Hatton. And he was like, look, I can get you a bit of sparring over in Hatton's gym if you want to go over and, and spar some of the pros. And I was like, yeah, let's give it a go. Like, let's see how I get on. So I went over to Ricky Hatton's, unbelievable, because I was a big Ricky Hatton fan, and I actually didn't get to meet him. He was just gone about an hour yeah, before. Timmy looks like Ricky Yeah, he does actually. He does actually look like Ricky Hatton, yeah. But I went over there, I sparred there, I got on very well. I went to Kieran Farrell's gym, and I sparred my old friend Paddy McCrory, who's now 16 and all pro, a very good pro, I sparred him. And I got on well sparring the pros. And in Ricky Hatton's gym, I was like, look, you think about giving pro a go. Because you know, I had a good style, aggressive, come forward. I have a, ha I have a head made of concrete, you know what I mean? I'm not the most skilled fighter, but I'm, I'm fun to watch, you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, Les was like, look, give it a go. I was like, look, I've no interest here. I have a family back home. So I came home and I got a message on my phone from a manager here. He said, look, I've seen you there. I'm, I'm interested in talking to you. Would you be interested? And I was like, she's 30. I'm just about to turn 30, will I? Sat home with the wife and said, look, have an opportunity here to go pro what do you think you know I, I think I want to give it a go like she's like yeah I support you and I mean that was it then my wife supported me that was all I needed to hear and I mean I turned pro and I'm, I'm truly grateful for it now because I'm six years in I've had a great I've, I'm still having a great career I've really enjoyed it I've had some great fights I've fought on TV I've gotten paid a bit not loads but a small bit you know what I mean I've, I've won a title I've lost a title so I know I'm in talks for another couple of big fights for titles so I'm really grateful I, I took the chance and I suppose anyone that's listening to this I suppose what, what I try message I try and share is always take that chance Feel the fear always take that chance always take that chance so I remember at the time people like don't turn pro man you're 30 you're not good enough you never won an All-Irelands mm. you're, you're not you know what make it I was like nah I'm doing it yeah. I don't care I, and still to this day I, I don't I don't ever listen to what anybody says to me mm. it's what I say to me is what counts it's when I look in the mirror it's like okay do we want to do this like you know what I mean is this what you want and that's what I think has kept me doing so well in the boxing is the fact that I, I, I've never listened to anybody else tell me what I can't do yeah. oh you can't do that or you can't fight him you can't take this opportunity. You won't make the weight. You can't do this. You can't do that. I never listened to that, man. And what would you say to a young fellow now in regards to this? Say, if he's been told the exact same, you're not good enough. You know, 
What would you say to him? Like, if it was your own child, what would you say to him? Follow your dreams. You are good enough. Believe you're good enough. If it, I, I, I fully believe no. I, if you look at videos of me fighting when I first turned pro and look at videos of me fighting now, I don't look like the same fighter. I completely changed because I believed I would get better. I believed I could I could become a way better fighter than what I was. I believed in myself. And I have become a really good fighter. I'm a good, aggressive, come forward fighter, move my head. I've, I took a couple of losses in my career. I don't care. I'm a very entertaining fighter. I'm good at what I do because I believe I get better. So to any young person, anyone that, that's, that's being told, and it happens, man. You see, like you said, you're young fans in boxing, you've seen it in boxing clubs. Unfortunately, it does happen. But they're like, no, you're not good enough. What makes Every, a boxer? Their heart, what they feel, what they, what they believe, how bad they want it, I think is what makes a boxer. How bad they want it. I think anybody can be a good fighter, man. Anybody can be a good fighter, but it just has to come down to how bad do you want it. How bad do you want to get better? How bad do you want to learn? How bad do you want to progress as a boxer, as a what fighter? What kind of attitude should you have? If it's ever an exa example, if a boxer gets knocked down. Get knocked down nine times, get up ten. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I took a fight on the undercard of Michael Conlon's card last year in December. For a very, I, just won the I just won the Celtic title in June last year. Went on a holiday, took the summer off, came back, manager rings me. Got a fight and the Conlon card against Fergus Quinn, a great fighter, given mention, great fighter. Said, Jan, no matter, everyone's like, no, I'll take that fight. I was like, why? Well, I'm here, I'm a fighter. I'm here to fight. I had one last, I lost to Paul Keenan's cut and I had one last, like, I, I'm not here to, to pick my opponents or to, to go around since I want the best fights I can get. He's a great fighter. He stopped me in the sixth round. Great fight. It was an unbelievable fight. But, I lost a bad, I lost bad, like, you know what I mean? I, I, I destroyed myself in camp. I done a terrible camp. I lost 10 kilos in five days. I, I messed it up for myself, but not taking anything away from Fergus Quinn. He's a great fighter and he, and he fought a great fight. Yeah. But like, I didn't get knocked out. There's, I don't think there's anyone on the planet can knock me out. My, my corner pulled me out because I remember sitting down in round, in round five and Sean said, what is wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not, you're not, you're not throwing punches. I just looked at him and I was like, yeah. And in my head, I was like, oh, I just, I'm not here today. Like, yeah. I just didn't show up to races. So when I went home from that, because I got stopped, you know what I mean? And, and I'm, I'm known as, as a tough kid, you know, I'm known as a hard man. So that, that was hard for me. But that also showed me that we can get knocked down and we can come back. Yeah. I mean, we can get, it's up to you if you want to come back from it. And that's, that goes for, for me, it goes for me in life and in boxing. Because I've been knocked down more times in life than I have in boxing. And I've gotten back up and I've, and I've, and I've come back way better. I got last of August win, I came back, I got a good win. I got another fight there recently. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm not going to give him any airtime. But I lost the fight, but I won. I feel like I was robbed in the in the fight, but I, I performed unbelievable. So it just goes to show me that we can come back from a, from a bad loss. Yeah. Life in boxing, anything. It's not about it's not about the fall. It's about the rise. Yeah. That's what life has taught me. And whether it's been my recovery or it's my boxing, it is not about how many times we fall. It's how we rise. I'm, there's no talks of me being in big title fights, international title fights. I didn't even think, I got told I'd never win a fight, never mind the title. Now they're talking about me in international titles. So like, I'm living the dream, man, because I've, n I've never, I've never quit. Yeah. Have I lost? Yeah, I've lost, but I haven't quit. And I, like, I think a real loser is when you quit. When you, when you like, nah, you know, when you give up for the wrong reasons, that's when you're losing in life. You know what I mean? So like I, I choose, I've chosen ever since I got clean and sober to not have that attitude, man. Yeah. So like, I've never been afraid to fight. I've said yeah to every fight. My manager loves me. He's like, oh, fight, yeah, let's go. <laughs> no, like, he's like, yeah. are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll fight him. It's like, <laughs> I have, I just have that attitude, man. You know what I mean? And, and I, and I feel like 
the people around me benefit from it. My wife benefits from it. My kids benefit from it. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've built a good life together. You know what I mean? And, and I think we have that attitude in my household. You know what I mean? I think it's great. We were speaking earlier there and you mentioned your son. Uh, when he came into the ring after after being beat in the last fight, uh, the first time I last, yeah. He came into the ring and he was you were telling us that he was, he was crying. crying. Yeah, he was crying. You know, and what you said to him was powerful. Yeah, it was. It, that's what he had to understand. Like I was glad he was crying. Like I said, like I wasn't glad at the time. Yeah. But I said to him, son, like you know, we have to learn how to lose so we can rise again. You know what I mean? And that's the truth. And I, I fully believe. Like my, like I have six kids. I love them all so much. I love all my kids. But my my eight year old son, Brian, will tell you, I know Brian a long time, and and he's like my twin. Ever I go, he's with me. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. and he loves boxing, and he's really, really, really good. So I'm glad. He's experienced this through me because when he does experience it in his own life, whether it's in boxing or it's in life, he'll know, okay, all right, I've taken a last. Now I, now I dust myself off and I go again. No matter what it is, like, you know what I mean? That's, that's the attitude I've given my son now. That's, that's the, the mentality I've given my son. And to me, that's a success. You know what I mean? If I never fight again, if I never win another fight again, I've already become a success in my son's eyes. I'm, I remember one time, I, I remember one time, I, it was about a year ago, my son was up playing in his room. This is when I, this was, this was, it for me like I could retire after this and they were in the room him and his friend they were playing and they were fighting over who got to be me with the toys that's their fighting over who got to be me I was like that's it I'm done now I don't need the box anymore I've, I'm a success you'll give a lot of good nuggets of information there or in, inspiration for people that aren't boxing about you know like not accepting your lot and taking risks and like you know, wanting to change your life and you know, if people are thinking about going back into education or it's not for me, I'm going to be the oldest in the class, I don't have the money. Just go for it. Well, go what's for the it. worst thing? Always go for it. What, what is the worst happen? Yeah. That's, I think, yeah, like you said, experience, meet new people. But given that as a young age, aren't we? Like, yeah. you can't do that. You, no, you can't do that. No, son, you can't do that. We're taught that at a young age, like, that we can't do things. Mm. But when you break out of that and you understand you can, like you said, college, school, all that, yeah. Anything is foreseeable for anybody out yeah, there. There's no limits. There is no limits. Yeah. There is no limits out there. It's up to you. You know what I mean? What, what you want to do in your life is up to you, whether it's school, work, sports, no matter, you know. And that's, yeah. I'm grateful that I have that attitude today in life, yeah. you know what I mean? That I'm able to share that. And yeah. that's kind of my message is, you know, do whatever you want to do. If you have passion for something, man, mm. you can, you, even if you're not that good at it, you'll learn along the way. Yeah. You will learn along the way. Like, you know what I mean? That's, as I'm sure, like, we yeah. learn everything along the way, you know. And stick yeah. with it. If it's something that you really like, stick with it, be consistent, keep practicing it. You mightn't see the rewards immediately, but you will start gaining confidence and self-esteem as you go along and you'll get better and better and better. And you say, yes, that was the best decision I ever made. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure you're saying that today. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Have you come and fight the plug? I'm fighting in five weeks in Wales. In Wales, first time fighting in Wales. I like travelling around, getting a bit of fights with wife and son, get the call, we go, oh, we're going on a bit of trips so far. So I'm looking forward to that and, and there's talks of a very big fight after that. But I'm going to just, fo I'm trying to just focus on Wales because like, I suppose maybe it's the attic in me or something. But when someone, when my manager is like, look, this is what could be next. I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. But I'm trying, I'm going to just try and just focus on, on Wales now, you know what I mean? So yeah. I have this fight in five weeks. Get a good one over here and it looks like I could open a big door for another big, big fight. So I'm grateful for my manager and my team that I have, you know what I mean, that are always keeping me motivated and, and, and getting the big fights for me, you know. Great stuff. We look best of luck in Wales and we look forward to Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me on, Les. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. God bless. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.